This morning is teacher. I promise we will use the full resources of the law, the full machinery of the state, to punish those involved in yesterday's grotesque events. Come back their own country and do it. We cut taxes to help bigger businesses invest. We cut taxes to help smaller businesses grow. Well, here's the surprising thing. Actually, the latest line is higher. The tax burden is higher than it was last time. Really striking bit of news there. This is Multipolarity, charting the rise of the new multipolar world order. Welcome everybody to a special episode of Multipolarity. This is exclusive for our subscribers. We did record an ordinary episode earlier this week. However, uh, we saw that the uh, British government's autumn financial statement was arriving, which would uh, be important for the news and also because of some of the issues that the British economy is facing uh, relevant to the world macroeconomic position uh, as a whole. And in addition to that, uh, there's been an eruption of violence in Dublin in the Republic of Ireland, um, a stabbing, uh, mass stabbing, which involved um, serious injury to children, uh, allegedly perpetrated by a migrant has precipitated uh, riots and violence on the streets of Dublin. Again, this is something that is really uh, big in the news at the moment, or, or certainly on social media. But it is also something that has global ramifications, as the entirety of Europe, uh, the British Isles, and also uh, North America uh, is in the process of a kind of a, a cold civil war when it comes to issues of migration. So we thought that we would cover both of these issues. Let's start with what's been going on in the Republic of Ireland. Um, people who don't know might not realise that the Republic of Ireland has seen an absolutely huge increase of migration in recent years. That's legal migration for reasons of work, um, illegal migration, and also uh, those who are seeking asylum. To give people a, uh, an idea of the scale of what's gone on in Ireland, and it's really not mentioned much in either the US or the British press, but the scale of, um, of migration into the Republic of Ireland is, is really far bigger than either into Britain or into the United States. And of course, it's a much newer phenomenon in the Republic of Ireland as well. But as I say, to give people an idea of the scale, 1.5% of the country's entire population are actually refugees and asylum seekers in state care. Um, and that means that 28% or more than one in four hotel and bed and breakfast rooms are currently occupied uh, by migrants. Uh, in the first half of last year, so the first six months of last year, uh, the amount of uh, claimants for migration, uh, I believe I'm right in saying, increased by 200% in the Republic of Ireland compared with 
25% in Europe and the United Kingdom. Now, Europe and the United Kingdom are both kind of straining at the moment under the weight of migration, if not economically. I mean, that is open to debate. Uh, certainly, uh, culturally and socially and politically, where there are huge debates at the moment in the United Kingdom and indeed quite heated debates. And across Europe, anti-migration right-wing populist leaders, so-called, are being elected uh, at a fair old clip at the moment. Um, the response to this in Ireland has been something somewhat different because there are no right-of-centre anti-migration par uh, parties in the Republic of Ireland. And perhaps because of that, it has the, 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 the objection to the sudden explosion in migration and asylum-seeking has manifested itself in uh, protests, some of which have been violent. Um, in fact, last year, um, there were as many as 307 anti-migration protests in the Republic of Ireland recorded. Now, this week, that, as I say, has all exploded because there was a mass stabbing allegedly perpetrated by an Algerian migrant, and it's led to really quite serious and significant violence on the streets of Dublin. Now, Philip Pilkington, um, uh, you know, I hate to be so glib about this, but you are our resident Irishman. What on earth is happening? Well, I think you're probably right to start with the governance issues and uh, the fact that, um, you know, even a fairly, I would say, soft or reasonable or centrist, I don't know what you call it, discussion on immigration just isn't there in the Irish political scene. Now, um, a lot of this has to do with the, well, frankly, the Irish media. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who works in the Irish media today, and uh, he says that journalists are widely hated in uh, in Dublin. Um, he told me a story that he went around uh, just filming uh, content for, you know, very standard kind of clips of Dublin for something he was doing. And he got shouted at. This was before the riots or anything. He got shouted at. They, they, the journalists are really not liked. And I think the reason for that is because um, they've become very outward looking. Uh, the entire Irish elite has. Um, really, I think it started with the Celtic Tiger. Um, but during the Celtic Tiger, and for people who don't know who that is, it's the economic boom roughly from the mid-1990s up until the crash of 2000, 2007, 2008, 2008, 2009, I should say. But even during the Celtic Tiger, I mean, I grew up in the Celtic Tiger, and um, it, was still, it was still Irish politics was Irish. It, it, was, um, it was domestically focused and so on. But I think after the uh, meltdown of the financial sector, um, the entire narrative deflated uh, in a sense, uh, the entire Irish political and cultural narrative deflated. It was supposed to be, you know, um, up, up and away in terms of growth. And a lot of things were exposed with uh, dodgy practices in the banks and so on. And after that, I think Ireland kind of lost its uh, sense of itself, really, politically. I mean, it's it's hard to put it any other way. And the Irish political elite, especially the, the media class, started looking abroad and started started focusing very much so on cultural, politi cultural political issues, especially in America. Um, and American politics has now come to basically define Irish politics, basically define the debates that are taking place in Irish newspapers and so on. Um, indicative of this, I think, is a, is a figure like um, Fintan O'Toole, uh, one of the main op-ed columnists in the Irish Times, 
Um, Fintan O'Toole has been around a long time, but prior to the 2008-2009 crisis, he was seen as kind of a, a lefty. Um, actually, actually, kind of not widely respected. I, I mean, not 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 widely respected, but just seen as a lefty by people in politics. But he's basically become the kind of voice of the nation now. I mean, just to give you some sense, well, um, he's a beautiful writer. I have to say, like, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Fintan O'Toole, much as I, as a Briton, hate uh, kind of feel a little bit um, irritated sometimes by his, his kind of disdain uh, for Britain and the British, or as far as I can gather. Um, he, he, he writes beautifully, actually, I have to say. Well, that's very generous. I find him very cliched. Maybe it's a um, maybe it's it's the fact that he speaks in in very Irish cliches that strike Irish people, or well, me anyway, as being very cliched. But but perhaps you don't see that as much if you're reading it for a foreign audience. And of course, I would argue that Fintan O'Toole's writing is for a foreign audience. Um, I mean, just just to take a look at some of his credentials, he's currently a professor of Irish letters at Princeton University. I mean, the the America focus of this is is so egregious in a sense. Not that I have a problem with America or anything, but you know, it's it it does feel like he's parroting New York Times talking points a lot of the time. And I mean, just to give a sense of a book he released recently is "We Don't Know Ourselves: A Personal History of Ireland Since 1958." I mean, it's weird. Like I. It's it's a strange. He's very indicative of it. I don't want to. I don't want to pick on O'Toole, but he's he's very indicative of this. And the problem is basically that actually the 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 Irish population, broadly speaking, um, that not the upper middle class. The upper middle class reads Fintan O'Toole and the Irish Times, and you know, stroke their chin about do we know ourselves and all this stuff that's been going on since two thousand eight, two thousand nine. But the Irish people aren't really like that. In fact, they're actually the polar opposite. They're very nationalistic in a sense, much more so than you'd find in Britain. Brit in Britain nationalism exists, English nationalism and so on, and Scottish nationalism, of course. Um, but English nationalism is is I wouldn't say a minority view, but it's definitely not a majority view. And in Ireland, it really is a majority view. And it's also very, very difficult to um, argue against, how should I put it, to, to argue against Irish nationalism. Because it, when it comes to English nationalism, you can say, well, that's um, you know little, little England stuff. It's quasi-racist and so on. But Irish nationalism has always been kind of a struggle ideology. So it's very, very uh, hard for even people like Fintan O'Toole and kind of left-wingers, cultural left-wingers, to dump on it. It's also Irish nationalism is very popular in America. And as I said, a lot of um, the discourse in Ireland seems to me more so geared uh, to an American audience or an imagined American audience. So so th th there's what, what I'm really getting at here is there's a huge class divide. There's a massive class divide in America. And you have the upper middle classes that are basically buying into foreign cultural politics and then you have a, a residential population that makes up the vast majority of the population that have no contact with this. So it's it's a very, very strange thing. Now, of course, that doesn't explain the immediate uh, eruption of riots. We, we can talk about that more in a moment. But I, I thought that since you led with that, and since you're not Irish, that's probably, and since you picked up on that, you're not Irish and you picked up on that, um, it, it's good to kind of lay out the groundwork. And just to emphasize again, this is much more, people talk about the elite versus everybody else in Britain, okay, and in America and everything like that. But but I really want to make clear here that, that you know, the quote unquote elite in America and Britain have a very large base among the population. A liberal politician has 25, 30% of the population that agree with them, pretty much the same in the UK. Not so much the case in Ireland. So the disparity here is much larger. 
Thank you for listening to the teaser version of this premium episode. If you're a premium subscriber, you'll already be able to listen to it on Patreon or on your private podcast RSS feed. If you're not, you can get it by joining us on Patreon. Search Multipolarity and sign up for the $5 a month tier. You can cancel any time. And now the show continues.